It was a warm July night three years ago when I experienced the thing that I will never be able to fully understand. I worked at a coffee shop in Perryville over in Reese County. It was an older place, just off the highway, on a lot flanked by empty buildings. I was working the closing shift alone that night. The last customers had left right at closing time, a group of local college students discussing assignments and the latest gossip. Despite the noise, they were polite enough, tipped well, and didn't leave a mess. I locked the door behind them and turned off the neon open sign and outdoor lights before taking out my phone and turning on some music. I made my way around the place and wiped the table, swept the floor, usual closing duties. It wasn't a large place, so it went pretty quickly, and soon I was heading toward the bathroom in the back to get my least favorite part over with. I propped the door open with the mop bucket and swabbed the floor, contemplating how public bathrooms bring out the worst hygiene habits in people. The song that was playing faded out, getting ready for the next one in the queue, and in that brief quiet I heard two very sharp knocks. I quickly straightened up and instinctively tightened my grip on the mop handle. The next song started, playing a loud instrumental intro before I could turn it off. Three more knocks rang out, sounding almost like a sort of punctuation to the silence. I stepped halfway through the door and saw a man standing outside the entrance. In the low light given by the inside, I could see that he was an older man, maybe late 50s, clean-shaven with a close haircut, wearing khaki shorts and a loose gray shirt. He was skinny and a head taller than me, giving him a stretched look. The light cast shadows over the lines of his face, making it hard to determine any exact features. He was standing at the large window, arm extended towards the glass, with a closed hand resting on it. I announced loudly that we were closed, motioning towards the large clock on the wall behind the bar. He seemed to either not hear or not understand, and didn't react. I said it again, louder, adding an apology. We faced each other for a few moments before his arms slowly went down to his side. He turned completely around and walked off towards the building across the lot, an old mom-and-pop hardware store that had been closed for months. As he moved further away with a slow, lumbering stride, I saw he was barefoot. I winced slightly at the thought of stepping through broken glass in the dark. I watched until the shadows obscured him before I went back to my work, this time with no music. I mulled over what happened and scenarios played out in my head. Was he drunk? Lost? Under the influence of some narcotic? Maybe he just wanted coffee or to use the bathroom or a phone? Or maybe he wanted to take the money from the safe and was checking to see if anyone was inside before breaking in. These thoughts raced as I finished my closing duties before I finally settled on the one I believed to make the most sense. He was drunk and had wandered off somewhere to either empty his bladder or pass out, or possibly both, in any order. It had been almost half an hour and he hadn't come back, long enough for me to finish and grab my things. I walked out, the door locking behind me, holding my keys in one hand and my phone in the other. My car was on the far side of the parking lot, backed into the space. As I walked, the lone light pole buzzed, briefly flickered, and then went out. I stopped for a moment, letting my eyes adjust. Of course this would be the night it finally went out, I thought. After a month of threatening to, it finally did it at the worst possible time.
I took a couple of steps before I felt my shoe sink into something soft. I took a step back and turned on my phone's flashlight, pointing it down at my feet. It was a small puddle of liquid resembling a black, viscous tar, maybe a foot in diameter. The imprint of my shoe was slowly being filled in as it reshaped, and I felt a brief mixture of annoyance and disgust. It was giving off a strong scent of ammonia that seemed to be getting worse the more it moved. I wasn't sure what I stepped in, but it didn't look like it would clean off easily. I dragged my foot around to try scraping off what I could, cursing under my breath. A soft, padded thumping sound almost made me jump. I shined the light around me, trying to hold my hand steady and not drop my phone. The man from earlier was standing behind my car, a good 40 feet away. I froze. He walked around the side of the car, each barefoot step thumping. I called out to him and asked what he wanted, but he didn't reply. He moved deliberately towards me, and from the way he moved and the sounds of his feet, he seemed to be much heavier than his frame let on. I took a step back. I could call the police, but they wouldn't get there in time to stop him from doing whatever he was going to do. Dialing the phone also meant that I would have to take my eyes off of him, and I couldn't do that. I kept the light on him as I backed away, warning him not to come any closer that I had a gun. He stood silently by the car. I could turn around and make a break for the door behind me, lock it, and call the police. If I was fast enough. He bent at the waist and squatted down, and this was the signal my body needed to kick my flight response into gear. I turned and started running. The light was bouncing wildly. Suddenly my feet went out from beneath me and I landed hard, slamming my right hip and shoulder down. The phone slid away from me. Something cold and wet seeped through my shirt, and I was hit with a strong smell of ammonia. I was close to the door, I just needed to get back up and I can make it. Through the ringing in my head, I heard the sound of skin on pavement. Fast thumps. Very fast. I looked back and saw him crawling on all fours towards me. The shadows made his body look impossibly stretched, elongated and angular, and the way he moved was insect-like. While his limbs moved, his torso stayed even with the ground and his mouth was held open like it froze mid-yawn. His eyes were black, unblinking. Where he seemed unsteady on two feet, he looked much more in control crawling, his movement calculated and methodical, like it was more natural than walking for him. I gave a panicked shout as I scrambled to my feet, still gripping the keys, and sprinted towards the door. The pain from my leg made it impossible to move as fast as I wanted. I could hear him behind me, but I couldn't tell how close he was. Looking back would slow me down, so I prayed that I was far enough ahead. A deep, guttural gagging sounded from somewhere behind me, and a glob of tar flew over my left shoulder. Small drops landed on my arm, and I cried out as they burned themselves into my skin. I glanced down and saw them solidify, looking like obsidian stones embedded in my flesh. Then, as quickly as they burned, pain stopped, and a sudden numbness enveloped my arm. I couldn't move anything below the elbow. I cradled my arm with my good hand and kept running, careful not to drop the keys. 
As soon as I reached the door, the key was almost immediately in the lock. Another retching sound from far too close, and as soon as I opened the door, the glass beside me was spattered with tar. It sprayed off, drops speckling my face. I yelled and frantically wiped at the drops, trying to remove them as I lurched inside. I pushed the door to close it faster, and through my squinting I could just see the man as he crawled within feet of the door. I barely had enough time to lock it before the burning stopped and the numbing started. First in my cheek, then it moved across my entire face. As it passed over, I lost control of my jaw and my tongue. My ears were muffled until all that was left was a droning buzz. I kept clawing in my face, trying to yell, but the vibrations in my throat stopped and I realized I lost my vocal cords. I slumped down on the floor saw the man standing perfectly still outside the door, looking at me. He was back on two feet again, expressionless. Tar was caked around the sides of his mouth, going down his chin, dripping sporadically on the ground. That was the last thing I saw before my vision failed. I woke up the next morning with a massive headache. I don't know how long I sat on the floor before losing consciousness. It was Sunday. The shop was closed on Sundays. I motioned to roll onto my side to get up and winced. Injuries from last night reminding me of what happened. I looked out the window into the morning light. The man was gone. The numbness was gone too. I looked down at my arm to see where the tar had burned me, only to find dark ash marks where the hardened pieces were. They smeared across my skin as I ran my hand over them, flaking off and falling to the floor. I carefully rose up and hobbled to the bathroom. I turned the light on and examined my face in the mirror. My cheek and neck were dotted with ash marks. After a minute of scrubbing, I was clean. No trace of the tar on my skin. Not a single discoloration or scab. It had burned itself into my skin, I was positive. But there was nothing there. I found my phone outside. The screen cracked into a spiderweb pattern from the bottom corner and the battery dead. After a quick walk around my car, I drove home. The night's events were playing in my head over and over. I was grasping at straws to make sense of it. Maybe I'd slipped on the floor as I was leaving and the whole event was a head injury-induced fever dream. Didn't explain the ash, though, or the dark spots on the window and pavement. After a shower and small breakfast, I unplugged my phone from the charger and powered it on. I had a few missed messages, nothing important, but a notification popped up saying I was low on space. I tapped through and viewed the scan it had done, which showed the largest being a single video I don't remember taking. I played it and was greeted with a swinging view that spun several times before going black after hitting the ground. I must have somehow started recording while I was running away. I turned the volume all the way up and held the phone close. I heard the man crawling after my fading footsteps, then silence. I let it play and strained my ears. After a long time, there was another noise, which I assumed was the man walking away from the shop. Several minutes of silence later, and the video ended. I uploaded it to my computer and played it back slowly rewinding and restarting before I finally found what I was looking for. There was a single, blurry frame 
captured right before the phone landed. It showed a silhouetted figure, half in the frame, arms outstretched, low to the ground. I printed it out and pinned it to the wall, hanging there as a constant reminder to myself that there are things in this world no one can explain yet, and things that might be best left unexplained. <laughs> 